Welcome to Launch Codes, the podcast about mops, AI, and more. Each week, you're going to hear from experts, and they're going to share their insights, stories, and strategies with you. Welcome to episode two. I'm your host, Joe Peters. And today I have my colleague, uh, Senior Director, Matt Tonkin here. And uh, Matt, what are you excited about us covering today? So I think most for me is talking about HubSpot Inbound um, and some of the things that went on there. It's been a little bit, uh, we're a little bit out from there now. Unfortunately, uh, I was sick last week, so I wasn't able to record with you. Um, So I've had some time to sort of digest this and think about this. So I'm pretty excited about that. And then... um, uh, towards the end, we're going to be doing some pairings that you and I have uh, provided. So I- I'm excited to share that there, but I'll I'll leave the surprise out for that. Awesome. Some of those pairings are not good for your waistline either. <laughs> Never. <laughs> anyway, okay, so we're going to talk about a few things today. Uh, first, the this AI evolution model that I'm a little bit obsessed with and get going to get Matt's take on things. Um we're going to also answer some questions from uh, the MOPS community. So uh, a question for Matt to tackle. We're not putting him on the spot. He's got a chance. He's had a chance to <laughs> review it in advance. And then there are some headlines around AI and marketing, and we're going to cover those at the end in our sort of rapid fire section of the podcast. So let's get started. One of the things that I've been slightly obsessed with is the AI evolution model within organizations. And what I mean by that is how organizations are going to adopt AI and when they're going to adapt uh, adopt AI and what that's going to look like. So if we really think about it and take it from an organization's perspective. So imagine I'm a CMO of a large enterprise. I've got a lot of things to think about right now in terms of when and what we're doing with AI. So right now, I might be thinking about things like uh, privacy, um, experimentation, maybe some guidelines and principles. Uh, I might be thinking of governance or the general AI literacy of my team. Kind of think about those in kind of that experimentation mode. But I think the next preoccupation that I'm a little bit obsessed about is with is the whole area of um, preparation, okay? And how data needs to be prepared moving into this AI adoption phase. Because no one's making a big call right now that they're going to go deep into G- chat GPT or, or the open AI model, or they're going to go with Google, or they're going to go with Cohere, or uh, any of the other providers that are making splashes right now. But it's, it's what are you doing right now to get prepared? What do you, what do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, it's interesting because that, that's sort of this topic that's not unique to AI, right? We we keep hearing that like data preparedness, data preparedness. Um, the cliche phrase is garbage in, garbage out. And it's interesting to think like, how does that apply to AI? Because I've sort of seen this in the past with other tools where I think a lot of people think, you know, this is just going to solve all your problems. Um, 
this tool A comes in and, you know, great, we're going to use this and you see the demo and everything. And the reality when you get it set up is that if you didn't plan for it and prep for it, it's not going to work how you expect. And I, I see a lot of similarity, I think, in AI and these tools. I think a lot of people think like it's going to solve everything off the bat. And AI probably has a lot more flexibility in being able to counter for some of that dirty data and, and the junk stuff in there. But I can definitely see like if, if, if what you have in your systems that you're feeding into this tool isn't useful, it's not going to be able to give you the results you want. Exactly. And, and we've been talking about dirty data for years, oh, yeah. right? If, <laughs> if not, if not even a, a decade now, uh, pretty much since, um, marketing operations, uh, started coming into play, we've been dealing with data challenges. And so I really think that for organizations to get their house in order as it pertains to their data, you know, whether that's cleaning and pre-processing or figuring out your data warehousing play, like where's this all going? Um, what does that look like for real-time uh, processing or batch processing? Like, How is this all being thought through? So when you're doing your AI adoption and starting to train your own LLM, let's say, what are you training it with? And what's the state of readiness that you have right now in either marketing operations or marketing writ large, if you're that CMO mm -hmm. of a mid-market or enterprise organization? Definitely. And, and with that dirty data, a huge part of that is always scaling. It's always, you know, you can have clean data at one size, but how do you get that growth? And with AI, whatever form of growth you're going to have is exponentially bigger. So it, it just heightens that, that if you can start with something early and get, get that structure in place, you're, you're going to be well ahead. Exactly. And, you know, we've been dealing with data privacy for a long time and, you know, international standards, whether it's, um, uh, you know, whether it's European or North American, uh, standards, uh, how many of those? Uh, uh, I, how many of those um, preference centers have we set up? Oh, yeah. Not yeah. Oh, exactly right. And there's so many, so many variations, and being able to standardize for global organizations is, I mean, it keeps us in business. Yeah, exactly. But you know, whether it's GDPR and and it, we can only expect. And while they probably are lagging out, there are going to be new data privacy standards that are going to come into play 100 percent uh whether it's pertaining to personal information or to um copyright um information there's going to be a whole legal switch here too so keeping your ear to the ground as a as a cmo is also going to be important here but i i think that idea of data privacy is probably over indexed right now from reality because it's always a thing and people don't want everything trained with, uh, you know, their confidential proprietary information. But imagine you're training your own private LLM, then, you know, you're not as concerned there, but there's still going to be challenges and issues you need to think through as it pertains to privacy and what you're training with. Yeah, that's a good point in that, you know, these aren't new issues. These are things that companies have already been fighting and battling with um, internal private information, whether it's, you know, 
fear of cybersecurity attacks or things like that. That doesn't, the core concept doesn't change. It's just how, how you're using the tools and how you're protecting yourself. Right. I, one of the things that I'm kind of slightly obsessed with, and we have a little chart here that there'll be a few blogs coming out of this over the next uh, little while, is this idea of, if you think of, uh, 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 you know, a simple chart where you have your x-axis, and let's just pretend your x-axis is time, so change over time, and then your y-axis is an increase in AI innovation. And then if you were plotting on that risks and benefits, um, you know, you could imagine that benefits are going to increase over time with increases in innovation. That's kind of like a pretty easy thing to follow. And you would presuppose that if we're going to have the exponential growth in AI innovation that everyone uh, is pretending that risks might start high, but they can't actually move at that same exponential level for an organization. So when we have that tipping point where the benefits and the risks cross, <laughs> and then you're moving into a place where the benefits are really outweighing um, the the risks to the organization. That's going to be that sweet spot. That's going to be that tipping point for each organization to consider. But to and and I think this is like wrapping a bow on this mm-hmm. here. If you have your data ready, then when you want to take advantage of those benefits, when you see those innovations that are directly going to in, improve your your operations or your outcome for your organization, you're ready to go. Do you think that for each organization too, there might be multiple of those same charts at, you know, but for different purposes for, you know, average employees, like the just asking questions into chat GTP, there's a certain level of risk to that. Sure. But it's much lower than maybe full on implementation of a very large native LLM or something like that. So there's almost like, you're going to have to look at that from so many different perspectives as well. Yeah, I, but if you think of like something like whether it's Google's Duet for the Google Work uh, space or Microsoft Copilot, whenever that comes out, and you're you know you're a thousand person, two thousand person organization, and you're going to decide to turn on thirty, forty, fifty dollars a seat per month AI integration into your suite. You could th- those are going to be. <laughs> Those are going to be the big uh, yeah. questions, like hey, who's ready? Um, that That's just a training and literacy and people being ready for it that way. That's not even thinking about using uh, creating your own LLM or anything okay. like that. Anyway, we can, uh, as Matt knows, we can talk about AI forever. Oh, yeah. Joe can talk <laughs> about AI literally forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just slide into our second segment here on you know, continuing our train of thought on, on AI, but Matt, what were some of the big things that you took away from inbound now that we have you, uh, on the podcast? Yeah. Glad to, glad to actually be able to share my thoughts on it, um, a bit later than I expected, but happy to be doing it now. Um, I mean, first and foremost, continuing from what we were talking about before, everyone said, just get using AI. Um, so Obviously, that's sort of the key thing. But I think I think one of the things that came up was this concept of will AI replace our jobs? And, you know, if if it does, what's that going to look like? 
Um, it's a natural fear for, I think, a lot of people, especially creators, to think, you know, suddenly is this machine doing my job better? And that's yeah. that's not a new fear, right? That's been going on for centuries. Um, and the quote that I think really stood out to me was, AI will take your job and give you a better one. Yeah, um, dude, I don't know about that one. What, <laughs> what do you think? Well, uh, I know you and I have had a different read on that, and I've had some time to think about it. And I mean, I think the first part, AI will take, at least will take jobs. I don't know if we can say your job and your job and be so granular with it, but I think that's fair, right? I, AI is going to take jobs. Um, and we're already seeing it in the yeah. journalism space, right? So exactly. when when people are like, oh, AI isn't taking as many jobs as we thought, well, then talk to some media organizations and people who are working there and see what they think about that. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It is going to take jobs. So I think the, the part where it's open for argument is this, is it going to give you a better job? Or is it at least going to make your job better? And, and this idea of how you use a AI to make your job better and not lose out. Um, and one of the oh, sorry, Joe, I think you're going to say no, you know, gonna... like I, I think I think the one thing that you're 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 getting at here that I really like is it can make your job better by doing maybe some of the repetitive things that you don't like doing or, or some of the heavy lifting things yep. uh, that we all have to do sometimes. And I think that that's the case. But remember, we heard that other presentation where I think it was a woman from Jasper yeah. and it was one of the more profound um, statements in, in the sessions that I attended. She said, okay, it's going to free up more time, yeah. uh, maybe making your job better because you don't have to do all these repetitive things, but what are you going to do with your free time? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was huge. Right. And that's, that's so clear. If, if suddenly a, task that used to take you eight hours is suddenly taking you two. you have that six hours to do to do what that's the question right that's the big question is is it to do more of what you're just doing is it to find a way to make what you're doing better um the way it really tied and resonated with me um was when i actually went to the hubspot booth and saw some of the demos of the new ai um you know generating content on landing pages and i, I flashed back to let's not date myself too much, but I flash back to when I was actually essentially a one man marketing team for a small startup. You know, I was going to trade shows for them. I was running the HubSpot instance. I was running Google AdWords and thinking about getting a campaign out the door, building the emails, building all this content. And that would take me, you know, several days and it's a one man team. And it's like the end of the week, I'm like, yay, I got this one campaign out the door to think that I could probably have done all that work if I had the HubSpot AI stuff that is coming out now, I could have done that in a couple hours. And yes. then how much more I could have done, how much, you know, I could have done to expand on that, that, that really took me back. And then thinking, okay, I'm not just executing emails anymore. What, what's that same wow moment, except in my current role. Um, yeah. And that's something I still need to figure out. I think one of the things that we're going to see is and this was kind of easy to predict is the tsunami of content that we're going to be uh, exposed to so if it's easy for everyone to generate it 
right say in your hubspot instance and uh, your campaign assistant is helping you generate your emails your landing pages and your ads well okay how are you breaking through and i think we saw that a really cool uh there was a session on the pyramid of content do you want to dive into that i i, I love that yeah it's a really great visualization for both modern current like content structure and what we're looking at going forward. And if you think about it as almost like the, um, oh, and I'm blanking on, but the uh, the hierarchy of needs structure. Maslow's. Like, Maslow's. There we are. Yep, exactly. Um, so you can think you can see this like bottom most tier, which is what they defined as lazy content. So essentially the stuff that, for lack of a better term, is kind of junk content. It's just the stuff that's filler and it's there. And then you have, the more executional side and that makes up the bulk of the pyramid which is you know it's good good content and it's getting out there it's doing what it needs to do but it's not you know really turning the needle it's not some amazing new advancement in terms of how you're communicating and then that top small percentage of the pyramid is that more revolutionary content that that game changer stuff that really the the real thought leaders are producing and that good content yeah and, and what AI is doing is it's not suddenly just generating those new ideas and those new thoughts for everyone. It's, it's that supplement and it's helping um, build that out. So it's really going to essentially eliminate that lazy content because suddenly you have no need for that, right? Like anyone can create that lazy content using AI. So it really expands out that, that middle bucket where, you know, it's the, the bulk of the content we're seeing and it expands that exponentially. Yeah. But then you have that top of the pyramid where it's, okay, what's this good content that really is driving revolution? Um, yeah. and, and that's who's going to benefit the most is the people who can really take that and go with it. So great content isn't going to go away. It's going to be critical to breaking through. And that, as uh, for marketers, is the critical insight here which is, okay, you can join the tsunami or you can be that surfboard on top of it, okay? Yeah. And unless you're thinking that way, uh, it's going to be pretty hard to break through. But uh, that's, a, that's a good segue into our next segment in terms of breaking through. Uh, we have a, a new addition here, which are questions from the community. And we're going to put uh, Mr. Tonkin's uh, mops knowledge to the test. And so what we did is we went into the marketing ops professionals, their Slack channel. And uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, you should really dive into this uh, marketingops.com. It's a great community. Guys that are really, really um, dedicated to advancing the community. And so we we chatted with Mike Rizzo, who's one of the um, who's the founder of the community, and asked him if we could take some questions uh, that are being posed and answer them on the podcast. And he was really excited about that. And so uh, we're going to do that today. And just one other plug for them because we love them. Mopsa Palooza is coming up in November in Anaheim. It's going to be a great group of people getting together pretty much focused on marketing operations. 
And that's really different than, you know, what we would have saw, say, at Inbound, Matt, or yeah. what we even saw at Summit in, in March. This is really, really hyper-focused for those of us in MOPS and uh, what, what is, are some of the burning issues and challenges that we're facing. So let's dive into the question. So we took this one, and we're not going to say who, who, who asked the question, but we will post this back in the community so they have it. So the question is, do you have any tips on how we can reduce the number of failed sinks? Take okay, it away. And I'm going to I'm going to start by saying I'm going to approach this primarily from a Marketo Salesforce uh, perspective and and from for context the original question and was sort of relating those two systems but this is information that's pretty cross platform agnostic but I'll I'll focus specifically on that. Um and I think the the key thing is really figuring out causes first and foremost. Um Marketo has a notification platform where you can actually see what's happening and, and why look into some of the details on why those things are happening. So generating your list um, of the whys, first and foremost, that's key, but, but there are some sort of general, general reasons why we see a lot of failures. Um, one might be um, a difference in data structure from Marketo to Salesforce. Um, one of the most common I think I'm seeing is, restricted pick lists in Salesforce that are connected to fields in Marketo that are essentially free type. So, you know, random data, and this goes way back to the uh, dirty data we were talking about before, right? Where random information gets in and, and Salesforce says, yeah, this isn't allowed and breaks the sync. And because maybe that field is required, whatever the case is, looking at those rules and those validation rules are important. Um, but it gets more complicated than that. You could run into situations where there's processes happening on the Salesforce side, whether it's a um, like a validation process or some sort of data um, processing, whatever the case is happening. And while Salesforce is doing those processes, it tends to lock the object. And then if in that same moment of time, Marketo is syncing, or, or doing something with the object, you can have that sync failure again. Sometimes it's going to be transient. A lot of other times it can be much more serious and, and you're losing that data parity across the platforms. And so how common is this, Matt? Like, should people be uh, uh, shaking in their boots when they see these, these I mean, errors? Or what, every, what, what do you see? Every instance is going to have errors, probably every day. There's going to be some errors. You'll, if you go into your sync logs, you'll see errors. It's not about who has it. It's about how detrimental it is to your operations. Um, if it's, you know, one field not getting written properly, and then it's a transient error and five minutes later, it gets updated. Um, the damage that that's likely to cause is much lower than if, you have a hundred MQLs that just don't get pushed across the sales. Right. And then they sit there for three weeks before someone says, Hey, what happened here? Yeah. And your window of being able to, you know, maybe have a good opportunity and have a conversation with a prospect is gone. Um, so, so how do you stay on top of it then? Like where, where do you go? Yeah. Um, so in Marketo, um, there is the notification panel. There's a little like a uh, bell um, notification icon on the top, right? 
100% the most, the least utilized feature in Marketo, and I'm guilty of it too. The number just keeps ticking up, and then suddenly it's like, oh, 600 notifications. Better check that. <laughs> so, so check that daily. Um, but I think, especially with larger orgs that have a larger marketing operations team, it's it's formalizing who's in charge of that. Because a lot of the time, it's just sort of, there and you know sometimes we click and see but if you have someone who's in charge or multiple people ideally who's in charge of you know checking seeing where there's errors seeing if it's something that's having an effect um that's sort of the the key to staying on top of this and this is a this is a two-way thing too where the sales ops team um that's where you see a lot of issues is that mops and sales ops aren't communicating so if you have different numbers, but you're not communicating that. You don't even realize it and yeah. don't know there's a problem. So basically, improving communications and someone being on top of the bell, right? Exactly. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure that will be hot, uh, hot content and a response that the uh, community is going to love. So we'll be happy to share that there. Thanks, Matt. So just before we move into our hot take section, I just want to thank our sponsor, Knack, and uh, they're the sponsor of today's episode. And for those of you that aren't familiar with them, Knack provides email and landing page creation for enterprise marketing teams, uh, and no coding is required. That's their, that's their sweet spot there. So allows organizations to get to market about 95% faster with Knack, and Matt knows this. Think about uh, template creation uh, if you're coding away and how fast it can be done with Knack. And so learn more by visiting knak.com. That's knack.com. So let's move into our final section here uh, before we uh, have a a little bit of fun. And (laughs) this is an interesting article. We're always combing uh, the universe for new articles on marketing ops and AI and um, and we like to discuss those here as well as in our newsletter for those of you that want to sign up for that also called launch codes uh, but here's the here's the headline uh, B2B should invest in these 10 channels in 2024 so according to 160 plus marketers which is what are those 10 channels? So started with SEO at, on top, blogging, search ads, website updates, social ads. And then there's, it sort of goes on from there. But Matt and I both laughed <laughs> at the SEO. And, you know, obviously we've, we've all invested in marketing uh, some significant time and effort on SEO historically. But when I see this type of article in this survey of 160 plus marketers, um, what, there are two questions I have. One, when was this survey done? <laughs> was it like March or February? Uh, because two, where's AI coming into this play and how does it affect some of those things? So Matt, what's, what, what's your take? Yeah, I, I think... I have that same sort of feeling with you is like, how, how valid is this for any important time? And and before I get into the full take, I always want to stress too, is don't look at these lists for your true, like what you're going to go to market with, right? Figure out, use your 
internal data and your attribution to figure out what's actually working for you. Probably SEO is important and, and all these other pieces, but really, you know, dive into your own data first. But to your point, Joe, yeah, great. What What's the new stuff that's coming out and changing? And I think yeah. I've had this conversation about three times in the last two weeks, which makes me realize that more people are thinking about it. But okay, we have search engine optimization. Over the last few months, I rarely go to Google anymore unless it's something in the like after September 2021 or whatever the ChatGTP cutoff date is. I go and type it in there and I I get feedback there. And that's becoming my new search engine in a lot of ways. Um, so to me, it's not what's search engine optimization. It's what is AI optimization and it, is that a thing or is it going to be a thing or is it already 100%. a thing and we got to figure it out? Yeah, 100% it's going to be a thing. You know, I find it interesting because there's all these privacy and copyright conversations going on and I, how everybody's updating their uh, robots text files on their website saying, hey, uh, we don't want you crawling our website. Well, what's that going to do in the future yeah. for your AI optimization when you're site hasn't been um, trained on the next uh, LLM. Like people have got to start thinking about this. Mm -hmm. And, and thinking about how, right. There's not like, at least it doesn't feel the same as when we're like, Oh, we got to trick the Google algorithm into putting us first. Right. It, yeah. it does. It, I mean, the concept, feels like it should be the same but there's this big gap that maybe we're just not there yet in our understanding of how we're going to you know how we're going to set our information that we're putting into these models out there so that we come out when when we ask you know what's what's the best uh revops agency joe what are we going to do to make sure that we're uh we're put out number one right yeah, well, we're, we're uh, I, I did a little bit of uh, questioning to see where we we stood and we're definitely happy to be in the top three, which is pretty pretty cool to see. But uh, yeah, like, I think some of the things that are never going to go away is uh, having high quality content that's resonating with your audience. Uh, the AI optimization is going to take that into account too. So if you're doing really great things and you're not doing the mail it in content or that Trying, trying to get that content that really engages is going to be just important in the future as it is uh, today. But um, anyway, it's, it's funny to see those lists because the world is, is changing fast and you've really got to keep your ear to the ground in terms of what that means for you and your organization. All right, let's, let's shift gears quickly into what is a pretty funny thing that we saw last week. And... Uh, <laughs> That was Coca-Cola introducing a new mystery flavor made by AI. Matt, what does the future taste like? <laughs> um, I, I'm, I, I like this. I, I actually really do, but like it's, it's in a weird way. Um, because it, it feels gimmicky and it feels like, you know, the, the company hopping on the trend, which is AI. But at the same time, the thing that hops into my mind is, you know, Coca-Cola, how much, how many, like, how much resource is put into trying new flavors all the time? And yeah. 
I can just picture this giant robot being like, oh, let's try these three flavors and get feedback from this test group. And then, oh, yep, that was good or not, right? Like that entire process of developing new flavors and and new like foods, like fast food um, companies that, you know, put out a hundred new products every five years and two of them make it, yeah. right? I can just see a whole area that's taken over by AI. Um in terms of uh, this Coke, I, I want to try it. Uh, I'm interested <laughs> to see. I'm interested to see. We what should have a live tasting on the podcast when we, when they will have our follow up. Yeah. Hey, if you're in the U.S., it's available now. If you're in Canada, I think we have to wait till September 26 to get our uh, into, to get the course. Hot <laughs> little hands, but uh, yeah, I, I I love that they're not shooting for. They call it Y3000, which is the year 3000. So I love that they're shooting big too. Not the year 2100 or yep. 2200, year 3000 flavor. That's uh, that's pretty funny. But does, does we, it feel like a miss they didn't go Y3K? <laughs> yeah, we did, did invest a lot of uh, resources in Y2K, that's for sure. <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, let's let's move on from there into the final segment of this week's uh, episode of Launch Codes, and that's into our pairing section. So, as always, I'm going to uh, introduce a, an album, and uh, you would have heard it at the at the intro, and um, we'll have it running in the background as well for you. But uh, I love this album. It's by a group called Jungle. Uh, they uh, you know started in uh, 2013 uh, in the UK and uh, they really have uh, stolen some of the sounds of soul and funk from um, you know earlier eras and every album is their masterpiece everyone is and when I have it on in the background people are like this this is super cool what is this uh, and it really gets everybody in a sort of good mood uh, party vibe and uh, they do, did some cool uh, vinyl on this one with an orange and white one kind of reminds me a little bit of a Pokemon a bit but I, I had it as the orange <laughs> does, for yeah. um, for HubSpot uh, last week but I saved it for Matt for this week so we have uh, it, the album is called Volcano just like our just like our podcast, Launch Codes, we're ready to e- explode here. Um, and um, and the track that that you're hearing is uh, Dominoes, which is another kind of fun play in terms of getting everything in line and those uh, dominoes um, uh, cascading into, into each other. And we're starting to see the little pieces of marketing and AI intersecting now. So... That was the thematic link to this week's episode. But let me turn it over to Matt. And he's going to share uh, his uh, part of pairings this week. And um, and I'm pretty excited about it. All right. Yeah. So first thing first for me is that I am a fan of craft beer. Uh, I also like to brew my own beer. Uh, My brother-in-law and I sort of pretend we're brewmasters 60 percent of the time you just you drink it because you made it and you feel proud of it and occasionally you get one that you're like oh that's really good um but for me the the beer i'm going to show off 
uh, and it's actually not one I've had yet, um, is called Castronaut uh, oh. Session Hazy IPA. Uh, it's from Refined Fool, a brewery out of Sarnia, Ontario. So the reason I chose this particular beer um, and why it ties in well with what we've been talking about is I was actually um, getting groceries and I was pushing the cart and my daughter was in the cart. So I'm walking past the beer aisle in the grocery store and she points out and goes, daddy, there's, that's a beer for you. And she's like the one with the cat on the label. And, and that was her entire logic was, Oh, there's a cat on the label. (laughs) So they're marketing to kids. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, The, uh, yeah. Uh, that, well, that's a whole other topic we can get into, but the reason it resonated with me when I was preparing for this was, um, I've, I've already got someone telling me exactly what I want and what I like. So, uh, I don't necessarily need AI to be telling me I've already, I've already got my (laughs) four year old doing that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you're going to have to crack that baby open and let us know how it tastes, but um, we won't put you on the spot uh, to have to do that right now. But okay, well, I think this moves uh, to the closing here. So I just want to thank you, Matt, for coming on the on the podcast this week. And thanks to everyone who's listened to this point. Uh, it might, uh, as again, thanks, Mom, for getting to hear and... Uh, So be sure to subscribe, uh, rate and review and stay connected with us on LinkedIn at uh, Revenue Pulse RP and join our newsletter, uh, you know, coincidentally or not coincidentally called Launch Codes, where you can stay up to date on all the things that we're talking about. But until next time, keep learning, keep growing and keep being amazing. And we'll see you soon.